A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at UH1.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash spoken today. I thought Robert Zidar was... was <laughs> was a man called Rob who kept jumping out of a box. <laughs> Ta-da! <laughs> so again, if this is your first time listening to the podcast... Good fucking luck! This is what it is. It's just two wankers chatting <laughs> cock. The boyhood dream has come true! All of you! From double or nothing on the AEW side of things, we are here via our Ica Pro Power DeLorean with a double main event in 1996 on an episode of WWF's flagship show, Monday Night Row. Who be we? I be fake Geordie, radio presenter without portfolio, Tom Campbell, with the mulligan to my O'Hare, the rambunctious Jackie Orlando from Cultaholic.com. How you doing, Jackie? I'm all right, thanks, Tommy. We need to change your Twitter handle. To the rambunctious Jackie Orlando. <laughs> I've been sad Ken for that long now. <laughs> I, I'm in I'm in a group chat on Twitter with people I've never met and they only know me as Ken. So. Oh no. <laughs> is that is is that not awkward now? No, because every, everyone has aliases. Okay. Because uh, when I was trying to get Twitter blue tick verified, I even mentioned to them, I was like, I'm going to change it to my real name for a bit. Mm. And they were just like, what is this absolute toss you're talking, Ken? <laughs> so. <laughs> And even then, it didn't work, did it? Oh, no, it did. It didn't first time around when I put my actual name, but then when I kept it as Sad Ken, they were like, yeah. He yeah. seems like a Sad Ken. Yeah. So. I know that Jack, I don't think we might, I don't know whether we mentioned this on the podcast before, but um, I know that Jack the Jobber is furious because he yeah. can't get verified on Twitter. He's got like 90,000 followers and people want to listen to what he has to say. Same with Ross. Ross has, I think, got more and people want to listen to what he has to say. Me, I'm just some dickhead who doesn't even talk about stuff to do with my job. <laughs> And somehow they gave me a blue tick while I was having a shit one Sunday morning. I just went, yeah, let's try this. I was on the toilet when I found out I got verified. Oh. That's a fun true story. Mm. It's just, I don't, know, I don't know where I'll go with it. That was my story. Yeah. That was that the story. Was, that's our story. I'm Did you to have it. a poo while getting verified on Twitter? Text in. Let us know. <laughs> How, now, I'm trying to think, when, since we last saw you, you went back to the Liverpool. We recorded an episode when you got back. Yes. So we're all caught up on that one. I've since been back to Worcester. How was it? Oh, it was nice. I got to get drunk with each member of my family. <laughs> Very nice. In separate times. It was, it was nice to catch up with everybody. Um, 
despite the fact that I had messages all morning from my dad saying, oh, bad news, Tom, they're painting all the railway lines in in the West Midlands, so you can't come. I said, all right, I'll fly. Oh, no, high winds, they've shut the airports. I was like, okay, well, I'll drive. No, they're, they're, they're taking the roads up. <laughs> Nothing like the captain's the love, is there? The love of the captain, the love <laughs> of the captain. Um, we, uh, so I got to go to the, the club, the social club that I was a member of when I was first getting my feet wet with beer. <laughs> my dad took me there. It was, it's like the, uh, like the danger room with X-Men was the social club where I just learned like the airs and graces of drinking in public. Good, good training ground. But I think everyone else could do with it. Did it not set you up for like a harsh reality? Because isn't the thing with social clubs that all pints are like ninety p? Oh yeah, <laughs> I mean the prices <laughs> horrified me, but it got me into the mindset of getting around in. Right, and you know that sort of nonsense, which, as far as I was aware, like I thought was standard behaviour. And then I, when I started going out with drinks with my friends at uni, it's like, oh no, you all. You all ask for tap water and sit in a circle. Okay, fucking yeah. someone get a fucking round in. Um, so it's nice to go back there. <laughs> I left a Tom Campbell wrestling buddy behind the bar. So every time my dad goes for a pint, I can ruin his pint. Because <laughs> <laughs> then he, my, my 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 dad's reaction to like releasing merch. I said because I, I brought one home for my niece and nephew, and my dad's like, so there's so you can buy that now. Like it's a, it's a doll of you. I went, yeah, yeah, they're, they're sold out now, but you could get them. He went, it's a bit arrogant, isn't it? <laughs> who, and Dad said, I love you, but who would want that? <laughs> I was like, fair. I think fair. I think that about all of our merchandise. Of course, to you out there, please support. I'll buy the <laughs> shit out of it. Yeah, but when they come buy out, it's like, that's that's an odd choice. Who the Blart socks? I'm just gonna come out and say it. Blart socks. They're mad. Oh God. If you're watching on the Patreon, this is one of the blart socks in question. <laughs> mm. Because you know what? I don't know why I put my hand in it. I mean, it's, they're, they're fine. They've not been used. It, it, yeah, it's it's a depiction of jism. It's not actual. <laughs> a depiction of jism, which was the name of your first album. I it was, yeah. Um, I I always believe. I mean, the the old business mantra is, you know, where's the pain? Um, you know, that's how you make money. You find where the pain is. And it's the pain is I keep burning through multiple pairs of socks during acts of onanism. <laughs> so a pair of socks devoted to onanism, you don't worry about it again. But please buy our merchandise. Please. Um, even though my dad doesn't know why. Um, my dad watched... Uh, I got to drink with... Some, I, had, I had some lovely wine with my mum, which was always nice. And we watched um, the Body Language Experts... Never even heard oh, of On YouTube, they're very good. They're four guys who just analyze body language and facial tics and stuff from people. They're very good. Yeah. So I watched some of them. But then my dad watched a bit of AEW with me on Saturday morning. I had AEW on. Then my dad was kind of like popping in and out of the room and getting ready. And he was just like watching a bit. He goes, oh, he's a bit crap. He's a bit whatever. And um, one of the matches, he saw, he saw the American Dragon, Brian Danielson. And he was like, Brian... The American blood, bloody hell, what's him all about? And then later on, so after we'd been out for the day, then we went to the pub, so it was a, bit, a little bit inebriated, and we're sat in the living room, and Dad's talking about, like, oh, he's, watching, he's saying to my mum, like, oh, watch some of that. There's, there's one on there now. What was his name? Bleep, Hercules Fred Smith. <laughs> I was like, Hercules Fred Smith? And I went, you mean Brian Danielson, don't you? <laughs> no, it's him, bloody Hercules Fred Smith. <laughs> So in our house now, 
Brian Danielson is Hercules, Fred Smith. And in our hearts. And in our hearts. It's it's the confidence of dads with getting names wrong. Oh, I, I remember yeah. once, because I met I I I quite like hip hop music. And my dad was talking about it once. He said, Oh, you up there listen to, you know, that two pack secure. And I was like, <laughs> <laughs> I'm not even a big Tupac fan, but it's just like Tupac Secure. Tupac Secure. I was like, yeah, I was like, yeah okay, yeah. That's Go nice. through that. <laughs> oh, I like, yeah, the, the 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 confidence of dads. Yeah. And the other one he said was, oh, his, who was his bloody teammate? Bloody, what's his name? Blocker. <clears throat> Blocker? Who's Blocker? Fucking Blocker. John Boxley. <laughs> Blocker. And then he went, oh, and Wheeler Uta. Oh, so he got Wheeler Uta, right? <laughs> He's a star, man. But he, Hercules Fred Smith, Blocker, and Wheeler Uta. So he he likes seeing William Regal, though. He was he popped for William Regal. Yeah. And William Regal's still going. Bloody hell, he's going to be 90. Did he ask where the bushwhackers were? He did. He asked <laughs> how they were doing. <laughs> Famous conversation with every time my dad will ask about the wrestling, he'll always go, hey, the bushwhackers, how are they doing? I think they're doing all right. And then I got to interview them. So I got to uh, ask, I got to tell them this story. And Bushwhacker Luke's response was, Will you tell your dad, the captain, where we go to the UK? We're going to come and have a drink in his beer shed. We're going to have a fight. <laughs> Take our tops off and we'll have a fight on the garden. <laughs> I said this to my dad, and he was just like, That's the best message I've ever had. <laughs> Big challenge to a fight by the Bushwhackers. Just thank God that it was the bushwhackers and not the sheep herders. Jesus <laughs> oh my <Christ>. God! <laughs> Just stabbing people. <laughs> oh, that was oh, that was the other one on Saturday morning before we'd even watch AEW. He poked his head round the door in the bedroom. I was waking up and he went, "Have you got my uh, picture in here of 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 Oso?" I said, "Sorry." <laughs> Is that like a brand of cable? I don't know what you mean. You know, Oso, they're the they're the champs. Obviously, since SmackDown from the night before, yeah. the Usos. <laughs> I'd bloody love them. I'd bloody love Oso. <laughs> Oso, Hercules, Fred Smith, and Blocker. Oh, <laughs> They're my dad's faves. It's, it's dads a, are great. I may have mentioned this on, on air before, but a few months ago, my parents were obviously flicking through the channels and saw AEW on ITV yeah. and sent me a picture saying, hey, Jack, do you know who this is? It being Jake the Snake. <laughs> I just replied to my mum saying, you have no idea what I do for a job, do you? <laughs> <laughs> but it's good, though. Like, yeah. My dad went through the top 100 wrestlers yeah. that same night, and he just said, well, I'm going to give you the first name. Tell me their last name. So he was just like, Hulk Hogan, Hillbilly, Jim, <laughs> Henry, Godwin. He was quite impressed. You got about, you know, 97% of them right. It was like, Antonio, Rocker, bloody hell. Oh. You know your stuff. I said, again, like you. <laughs> You know what my job is, don't you? <laughs> <laughs> you know, this is how I pay the bills, right? Oh, but it was lovely to go back. It was a six-hour, stupid six-hour train journey back because Sunday service is so slow oh, on the trains. Shit. So uh, I just I just dis despaired for six hours, but it was totally worth it to go see everybody. That was my weekend. It was lovely. I mean, at least in that Pablo with you also waiting. <laughs> That's true. That would have been he would have, that would have been a special kind of nightmare. I bought him a new torch. Mm. And he's just gone mental for it. Like it's a, it's like a bigger version of the little red light that you do to. Yes, yeah. But it makes slightly bigger images and it goes a bit further. And just to watch him, like if he comes in to see us on an evening now, I can just shine the torch in the door in the hallway. He's like, "Oh, see you later." I'm on get that. What? You've had some. You've had some cat drama this week. Oh, <laughs> cat <A> drama. drama. <laughs> so. Uh, 
the 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 loves of my life, the cats, had to go for their annual vaccinations yesterday. I left it to Sean. I was like, ah, good luck, see you later. <laughs> I'm off to work. Um, and she just texted me saying, guess who needs to go on a diet? I was like, is it Poppy because she's fat? And she was like, it's Poppy because she's fat. <laughs> um, oh, Poppy. Because I mentioned it before. When we got her, she was a street cat and she was tiny bag of bones. But now she's got that mentality. She's like, food, I don't know where my next meal's coming from. And she's still like that, isn't she? You yeah. said like she still hasn't quite got used to the fact that food will always be there. Yeah. So just blah, 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 blah. blah. Yeah. So she's got to go on a diet. She's a chunky girl. Oh, she is. She's oh, heavy. No. Like she came, she comes oh, and sleeps on my chest and this morning it, did, <laughs> it felt like there was just someone standing on me. <laughs> I was like, oh, morning, puppy. I'm going to have to move you. Oh, bless. And uh, Louis, uh, Louis has a buildup of plaque on his teeth. So Louis's the... Louis, for lack of a better term, the mental cat. He's the stupid He's one, the yeah. stupid cat. He's the stupid handsome boy. <laughs> Takes after me. Um, and they said, you know, we can give him an anesthetic and clean it off, but it's quite expensive. And also, he's 10. I wouldn't be comfortable putting him under an anesthetic no. unless it was a life or death situation. It's not really life or death, is it? With plaque. And they said, uh, you know, you can get some stuff to put in his food and you can get like a toothbrush set. Uh, oh, we've gone. Oh, don't you worry. If you're watching on the Patreon, Ooh. you may have noticed we've frozen. Ooh. We will get a new cable sorted for this because we're aware that. I love that's how we come back. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, today, as of recording, there is a, uh, a cat toothbrush set coming, which involves a toothbrush with a tiny head, uh, a little one that you can oh. put on your finger so you can rub on the gums, and comes with delicious cheese-flavored <laughs> toothpaste. Ooh, delish. Uh, mm, and I put it on my... Instagram story and some of my friends who have cats are just like, you're going to get twatted by him. Uh, he's quite a placid boy, so I'm hoping that he just kind of goes a bit limp, but uh, yeah, I'm going to gonna brush my cat's teeth tonight. <laughs> so by the time you're hearing slash watching this, it's already happened. Yeah. Um, prediction. So you think he might just be a bit of a placid boy and just go like, oh, whatever. Just... I think so. Gosh. Yeah. Well, I'm ex- I can't, w- I cannot wait. To watch the video. My my evening is pretty clear. So when that video drops on the internet, yeah, I'll be ready. Um, yeah. I'm yeah. Exci- I am excited. It's going to be a fucking palaver, isn't it? <laughs> it's Louis of all the ones as well. I've got to brush my cat's teeth. It's Poppy probably... wouldn't mind. You're like, oh, you're smearing cheese into my mouth. That's very kind of you. She'd like it apart from lifting her up. When you lift her up, if I pick her up and she's face to face with me, she kind of goes, oh, hello. <laughs> but if I pick her up and face her to the room, she's like, you fucker! <laughs> Who's this stranger? <laughs> I'm just like, all right, we put it down. She's like, oh, oh yeah, someone just lifted me up then. It's like, <laughs> so, uh, well, good luck. Oh, thanks. I'm going to need it because, I mean, when this goes out, like you mentioned, it, it's going up the night after Double or Nothing, hmm. uh, which is also the same weekend as Liverpool in the Champions League final, which means hmm. that I am uh, going home for the match and then covering Double or Nothing live and then going to sleep and then getting a train to the northeast so when this comes out i'm probably on a train somewhere going oh, i'm too old i'm too old for this <laughs> too old for this shite so, uh, yeah fingers crossed yeah oh yeah by now double or nothing would have happened as well yeah so congratulations to cm punk on becoming aw champion and congratulations to vince McMahon making his aw debut i don't know <laughs> <laughs> i was gonna say antonio anoki just oh! fucking love anoki don't we the old scouse anoki's the uh, best anoki i don't lads <laughs> <laughs> Who wants to chin? Buy your fucking island. Just <laughs> head up. Just starts chinning Hercules. <laughs> Hercules Fred Smith. Hercules Fred Smith. I was going to call him Elton Hercules John. Then. Not, not another one. Oh, God. Where's that blocker? 
walking off him. Walking, you tit. I'll kick you. And you'll like it. Uh, well, best of luck to the pool. And the last thing you need is another buttock-clenching weekend of football. You just had one. Yeah, where I thought I was legitimately going to have a heart attack on my couch. So <laughs> oh my. That was nice. That's not very nice. And the first thing you said to me when you came in this week was, um, I hate all West Midlands teams apart from West Bromwich Albion. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, that's fair, yeah. after what you went through. <laughs> yeah. Well, um, lovely lovely lad Owen Mawson, the fellow Liverpool fan, was like, oh, you you coming out for the game? I was like, Owen, I'm, I'm going to be a wreck. I was like, I need to stay home just in case I ever shit myself or die. And he was like, fair, yeah, fair. So I admire the the bravery there. Yeah. <laughs> so I admire the bravery. Look, let's take your mind off of such things. Let's talk about 1996 oh. in the year of our Lord. What was Liverpool doing in 1996? Did they won the cup or not? Probably being middling. I can't remember. <laughs> it was Liverpool's manager in 1996. Stubby Roy Evans. Stubby. Old Stubbo. No, he? not Stubby. He'll still be Roy Evans. <laughs> <laughs> he's, he's quite a Stubby man. Shall I check? Shall yeah. I check? And see if my memory for stuff is terrible. Like, for remembering years for football, remembering footballers' numbers. Just as I'm getting older, my mind's becoming crap. Unless you say, ah, oh, you know, something that's absolutely useless to my life, I'll remember. But things that I have a passing interest in, I'm like, which is a safety net for this podcast because half the time I'm listening back, I'm just like, why did I say that? I know that's wrong. <laughs> so uh, was it? Yeah. Okay, managing Liverpool at this point was it Gerard Houllier, Graham Sunez, or Roy Evans? Roy Evans. It was Roy Evans. Well, didn't it? Yeah. Great Thanks. shout. Thanks. There you go. And, Thanks. Uh, in terms, of they they played some football in that year as well. Yeah, the mid nineties, we'd win the occasional cup, flat to deceive in the league. We had good players. You should have done better, really. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. Well, yeah. wrestling was happening in 96. Wrestling well. was happening in 1996. So what's going to happen is, if this is your first time on the Cold Blooded Classic Raw Review, welcome oh. welcome in, 16 minutes in. That's record low for us. Yeah, that's that's efficient. We're, that's, we're, pretty, yeah, we're, yeah. we're pretty tight and bright this week. Um, <laughs> I'm going to give you a little paint of the landscape of the real world in this particular week in the year of our Lord, 1996, which is February the 5th and onwards. Uh, then Jack Atkins is going to give us some key highlights from the Wrestling Observer from this week in the year of our Lord, 1996. And then I'll walk you through uh, the February 5th, 96 episode of Monday Night Raw. It's a three-match show mm. uh, with, some, with some key storyline stuff. Yes. That would be worth mentioning, but we'll get to it in a little bit. Uh, 1996, February the 5th, the week commencing. UK box office number one, Father of the Bride, part two. I have not Starring seen it for Steve Martin. Very long time. Mm, good little Steve Martin romp. Yes. Uh, Martin Shaw in it as Martin well? Martin Shaw's in yeah. it too. Um, was this, this must have been a year or two before Dennis Pennis ruined his career, wasn't it? I believe it was. Yeah. How did Dennis Pennis ruin his career again? Well, I know they had an encounter. Yeah, so Dennis Pennis, for those unaware, he was like Sasha Baron Cohen before Sasha Baron Cohen. Mm. And he was just, he was a character and he had spiky orange hair and he was just a, basically an arsehole. Mm. And he'd turn up to red carpet events and make a scene and ask inappropriate questions. I'm sure he asked Steve Martin, he's like, hey, Steve, how come you're not funny anymore? <laughs> and put Steve Martin into therapy. <laughs> Because oh, Steve Martin gosh. was like, oh, God, oh, God, oh, God. So, yeah. He's bounced back. He's oh, in yeah. that Only Murders in the Building. That's the one on you Disney. told me to watch, but I just haven't got around to it's it. Really yet. good. I, I've always liked Steve Martin. Yeah, and do you know what? I was uh, on on the weekend. I've I've discovered a new YouTube channel, so I'm going to give a shout out to Hats Off Entertainment. Uh, they do literally a hat is off there because they do. It's 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 one lad and he does uh, documentaries and stuff about um, 
careers of comedians and actors from the 90s and, yeah. and a bit further back. He does uh, little specials on forgotten failures when like, you know, sitcoms and stuff that have just fucking bombed. Oh God, yeah. Uh, and I'm and I've learned so much. I watched a lot of that on my six-hour journey back. I plowed through quite a few little 10, 15-minute documentaries from him. Um, like, for, did you know? Go on. There was an Uncle Buck sitcom. Ooh. And it was fucking woeful. Who was playing Uncle Buck? Not John Candy. <laughs> There's another actor who was trying to sort of John Chocolate, <laughs> oh. John Crisp, but proved if ever there was proved you could not replicate John Candy. But then he's got a little documentary on John Candy, and they talk about planes, trains, and automobiles, mm. which is I think one of Steve Martin's best films. Again, it's a fantastic film. Been a very long time since I've seen it. I remember oh. as a kid loving Steve Martin because I've got vivid <clears throat> memories of being aged four and playing with two of my mates, and we were pretending to be. Um, Oh, shit, my mind's just gone blank. Steve Martin. No, I was planning to be Steve Martin. Um, what's it called? Steve Martin, Chevy Chase, Martin Short. Three Amigos. Three Amigos. We were playing Three Amigos, and one was like, I'm Dusty Bottom. And the other one was like, I'm Ned Nederlander. <laughs> and I was just going, I'm Steve Martin. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, so I always had the fancy for Steve Martin. Oh, yeah, lots yeah. of love for Steve Martin, who was number one in the box office in the UK this week. The US box office, slightly different, Black Sheep. Which was a an American comedy film starring Chris Farley and David Spade. Oh shit! Yeah, you remember it? Yes. Film following a political aide who is assigned to control the brother of a candidate for the governor of Washington, who attempts to offer his campaign unwanted and publicly embarrassing help. Oh, hilarious results! Thirty-two point three million dollars it grossed. So it's obviously popular. I like Chris Farley. Chris, Chris Farley, Farley was great. Another another guy who went too soon. Yeah. Uh, who was who is irreplaceable. Have you ever Chris seen Farley. him on Letterman? No. It's his intro to Letterman, and it's just David Letterman goes, "Ladies and gentlemen, Chris Farley," and he just cuts to the back of the auditorium, door burst open, he's running in, doing that, <laughs> grabbing people and shaking and picks someone up, and he's doing cartwheels and just going, yeah. <laughs> it's, oh, it's incredible, yeah. And then you're just like, uh, yeah, he did a lot of drugs and died young. That's probably <laughs> what explains the entrance to Letterman. Yeah. Um, the UK chart still number one, Babylon Zoo, Spaceman. Oh, listening to it on the train the other night, just going, fucking the first thirty seconds and the last 30 seconds incredible the middle's all right but mm. that intro's so good <laughs> it's so very very good yeah and number one of the u.s billboards okay it's carry one sweet day <laughs> strap in still there um big day in history in the united kingdom on this very day in 1996 it was the day that safeway and sainsbury's became the first British supermarket to stock genetically modified tomato puree, the first GM food to be sold in the country. I did not know that. Yeah, so Safeway and, and Sainsbury uh, sold genetically modified tomato puree uh, in which the rotting gene had been removed. It means the tomatoes remain firmer and last longer than conventionally grown ones, and the puree they produce is subsequently a lot cheaper. Uh, Tesco said it would never stock GM puree. The new product did not offer any additional benefits to customers compared to normal puree. Mm. Fun fact for the year. Whatever happened to Safeway? I think it became Morrison's. I, I believe there was a merger off. by, yeah, I think Morrison's was Morrison's just started gaining traction and I think it got absorbed by Morrison's. I know there used to be a Safeway in Droitwich Spa where my nan and granddad used to live and then one day there was a Morrison's and everyone went, Bleh. 
Noise. I miss the days when things they like make. that would like piss people off. It's like, oh, that's a new supermarket. I'm not into that. Oh, don't. Rest assured, people still get pissed off by new things. <laughs> yeah, um, Even yeah. more so sometimes. <laughs> don't like change! I, I am forgetting that we are broadcasting to a wrestling audience and... We're arseholes at the best of times, aren't we? Come on. We are. Let's, let's we? be self-aware. We are. We are. Um, February the 10th in this particular year of our Lord, IBM computer Deep Blue became famous. Do you know why? He beat Gary Kasparov. I like how you assigned it a gender. Correct. Sorry. Deep Blue. <laughs> oh, God. Oh. <laughs> it's, no, it's funny how you default to Deep Blue being a he. Yeah. No, it's fine. I think it had a male voice, to be fair. I don't know. Th- thanks for trying to get me out of jail there. That oh, That's fine. Uh, IBM Computer Deep Blue became the first computer to win a game of chess against a reigning human chess champion in Gary Kasparov. Mm. See, like I said, I can remember Deep Blue beat Gary Kasparov, mm. but I can't remember what Liverpool did in 1996. <laughs> Deep Blue's win is symbolically significant. It's a sign that artificial intelligence was catching up with human intelligence and could defeat one of humanity's greatest intellectual champions. Later analysis tended to play down Kasparov's loss as as a result of uncharacteristically bad play on Kasparov's part, like he was having an off day, mm. and play down the intellectual value of, a ch- of chess as a game that can be defeated by brute force. This is according to Wiki. Basically, they went, yeah, well, it's not that good, and he was having a shit day. <laughs> fuck off. Fuck <laughs> off, basically. <laughs> Let's not give the computers any ideas. Yeah. I think that was, again, over the weekend, chatting with my mum and dad, and I'm pretty sure a conversation that started with me... Um, putting an app on dad's phone and it asking for uh, my dad's password became one day they'll just become smarter than us and they'll rise against us. So it's just like, just put your password in and you can, <laughs> well, that, you can get the Facebook app. That's odd because I text Sean yesterday saying, you know, how's it going? How are the cats? Blah, blah, blah. Everything's fine. I just went, I want to watch Terminator 2. And she went, no. <laughs> she's never seen it, but she just doesn't want to watch it. She's not oh. really one for action films. And just I spent all last night saying, yeah, but the thing about Terminator 2 is it's not only <laughs> regarded as one of the best sequels of all time. You don't even need to watch Terminator 1 to watch it. And she's like, we're not watching Terminator 2. I was like, okay. But the thing with Terminator 2, <laughs> uh, we didn't. We ended up watching a documentary on the Condor, Matt Hoffman, the BMXer. Ooh. So just a 30 for 30 one because they're on Disney Plus, which I didn't realise. I nice. So, so is it just like... Like a series of just short well, it's, docs it, about randomers. It's it's. It, I don't know. Matt Hoffman isn't a randomer. There was a video game franchise all about him. It's um. It says thirty for thirty. I think it's an hour long, maybe a bit longer. Oh god, I got the burps every time I do this fucking <laughs> podcast. I get the burps. Do you want to get him out of your system? No. Uh, yeah, yeah. Go on, get him out. Yeah. That, what fucking plumbing new depths here. Ooh. So um. 30 for 30, yeah, just on a spe- specific subject in sports. So there's a Ric Flair one, which is meant to be very good. Oh. It's Matt Hoffman. There'll be stuff about other fuckers, but yeah. Oh, uh, there was a Bruce good. Lee one as well. I was like, Bruce Lee? And Sean was like, we're not watching Bruce Lee. I was like, Terminator 2. He's like, we're not watching Terminator 2. <laughs> so, uh, I admire how pushy you are to watch Terminator 2. I fucking love Terminator 2. It's been a long time since I watched it as well. Would that be something that you'd watch on your own then? Maybe. It was one of my favorite films when I was about five. Yeah. And then I loved that and Robocop and then rewatched Robocop when I was about 15 and chastised my mother. I was like, Mother, why were you letting me watch Robocop as a younger? That's a that's a horrible film. She was like, it's just a robot policeman, isn't it? I was like, <laughs> so. Did I tell you a story about my granddad buying us Robocop? Oh Jesus. 
Did I tell you the story? Oh, uh, God, I um, don't think so. I don't know whether I've told it on this podcast before, so feel free to skip ahead if I have. Um, so my granddad bought us, bought me and my brother Jim, when we were probably like 9 and 10, Robocop. Maybe 9, 10, 11, 12, either way, Robocop. And then he gets it home, and my nan goes, there's an 18 rating on that. It's going to be violent. So he watches it. He's like, yeah, it's quite violent. So my granddad at this point had a, a t- he was very posh, had a two VHS tape thing so you could record on one and another. So my granddad did was he recorded over all the violent bits with with static. <laughs> so for years, I just thought Robocop was shit because like there's a scene where like these two guys go into like a bathroom then there's static for four minutes, and then there's just blood everywhere. It's a fucking, <laughs> it's a horrific film, Robocop. It's, it's, it seems so nice, and it's got a lovely jumpy theme music. Do, 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 do. I think there was even a cartoon. There was a years cartoon. Years later. Yeah. But the films are really fucking horrible. God, just... Violent. OCP runs the cops with blood running down his face. And just, You're a cop. And it's like, oh, what's the origin story of Robocop? It's like, well, so Clarence, oh, Bo- Clarence Boddicka gets him. They shoot fuck out of him, blow off his hand with a shotgun and leave him for dead as he's getting riddled with bullets. Oh, oh it's all, oh, Christ, yeah. And that... bit, Ed 209 and that poor bastard in the boardroom. You have oh, five seconds to comply. Fuck off. Just, oh, my God, it's violent, 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 violent. Good fun. Five stars. Yeah. Um, so that's all the real world yeah. shit. <laughs> we caught up in the end. We pushed half an hour before we even started the episode. There we go. We're back on form. We're back on form. This is the part where Jack Atkins will tell us what's happening in this week in the wrestling, this bloody week in the wrestling from 1996. Hello, Jen. Um, yeah, so this is the Wrestling Observer Newsletter dated February 12th, 1996. The main chunk of this we're going to come to later on in the show because it concerns what happens on this episode of Raw. Uh, and then there's just a couple of little bits and bobs. The stuff that I left out about Davy Boy Smith, his assault trial's gone to court because he's accused of battering someone in a nightclub, but someone said no, they just slipped over and cracked their head after trying to cop off with Diana Hartsmith. <laughs> But I thought, oh, that's it's so much, you know, he said, she said, it's it's during the court case, so I thought we'll come to that once the case is over. So we're gonna are we gonna touch on that a little bit later? Yeah, yeah, because at the moment it's still like, oh, they're still deliberating in this and that and this and that. And there's some shit about that they made Davy Boy take the stand and said, Is wrestling fake? And he's like, Hey! And they're like, So are you a fraud? And he's like, Oh, if you want to pay it like that. <laughs> if you like, I might be. I was reminded oh. that um I was James Morgan on Instagram. Thank you very much indeed for sending me a DM um, who said, why do I read this in the bulldog voice? What have you done to me? And it's a po- It's an Instagram post from uh, Instagram influencer. I think she is. We Miss B. And she's outside a restaurant called Potato King. <laughs> <laughs> Which we believe is a franchise oh, of Davey Boy Smith. Anytime now, anything has king in it. <laughs> you ruined it for people. Yep. Potato king. So thank you very much. Don king. Uh, <laughs> Jerry king. <laughs> king Kong. King. Kong king. Kong king. Big monkey king. Monkey king. Uh, look, can we watch monkey king tonight, Dan? <laughs> oh, <David. laughs> All right. We'll see you that or Terminator 2. Terminator 2. <laughs> 
Turn the robot man. Tom can't watch it because he hasn't got his Sky card in. Oh, you bastard. <laughs> he's got it on VHS, though, but the VHS has got a, a coffee ring around it <laughs> where he's leaned his coffee on it and dubs a fag out. <laughs> What's that, Tom? You like the bit where everyone gets killed? Nice. <laughs> <laughs> what, you fucking mate, you sack <laughs> bastard. fucking bastard. <laughs> uh, he's making us watch Maniac Cop. <laughs> he loves Robert Sadar. <laughs> Fucking big head on him, wants to crack it. I thought it I thought Robert Tada was 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 a man called Rob who kept jumping out of a box. Tada <laughs> So again, if this is your first time listening to the podcast Good fucking love This is what it is. It's just two wankers chatting <laughs> cock. So we can't call it that because then it won't get pushed out to Spotify as well. Oh yeah. So we call it the Cultaholic Classic Raw Review. We put instead. WWE in the title, so it helps oh, the Justin, algorithm. <laughs> Justin Henry, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry, Justin. Justin Henry, Justin, Justin Henry, I regret nothing. <laughs> Love you. So, uh... Fuck <laughs> off. <laughs> the Rest of the Observer newsletter, dated February 12th, 1996. Do you want to hear some bollocks to talk about? I would fucking love to hear some bollocks. So there was some Orlando tapings, and according to Dave, perhaps the most newsworthy items coming out of the Orlando tapings were a pair of out-of-ring incidents that took place late on Sunday night. Strap in, these are fucking weird. At the Orlando Residence Inn, where many of the wrestlers were staying, there was a hostage situation. <laughs> well, I wasn't expecting that. This sounds like it could be from Robocop. At about midnight, a woman Did, uh... was thrown out of her room naked outside in 20-degree weather while the guy in the room barricaded himself in the attack, as has Dave has written, and as we know, he writes like 20-degree? 20 20-degree. It's quite warm. Mm. <laughs> Unless it's Fahrenheit. Oh, it's February, isn't it? Mm. I figured they might be paranoid. I mean, if they put mm. Senate going, oh, that's fine. Yeah, that's, that's what I was thinking as well. Degrees is fine. I go outside naked with 20 degrees. Oh, God, you should see him. Oh, yeah, it's, it's, it's beautiful. It's like a man's body, but slightly different. <laughs> <laughs> that tattoo on your bum's lovely. <laughs> it says Tom, but there's, there's a T on the one cheek and there's an M on <laughs> <laughs> You got Tim written on your crap. Tim. Sorry, go on. Talk about the hostage situation. Yeah, so uh, a naked woman's been thrown out. A guy's barricaded himself in, and a SWAT team had to come to tear gas him out. They had to evacuate. Bulldog. Oh, God, I wish. (laughs) They had to evacuate all the rooms while this was going on, which included rooms for WCW wrestlers and officials. Apparently, the scene was almost directly out of a bizarre movie, where Brian Pillman and Disco Inferno in character, saying that the horsemen were there to save the day. And with Disco having everyone so confused as to what to make of him, uh, people believed he was going to try and apprehend the guy himself. Brackets, which he didn't do. Although we got reports after that the guy was apprehended. Brian Pillman kept giving him the four-finger horseman oh, signal. So some guy's now. getting carried away by SWAT teams, and Brian Pillman's going, Ah! <laughs> You've been stopped by a four horseman! So... Yeah, so while that's going on, on the same night, uh, Johnny Grunge, the public enemy, was arrested later that evening while pissed drink, uh, driving a WCW production van and spent a few hours in jail. <laughs> he and Rocco Rock, Rock were in the van because that was supposed to be reserved for Doug Dillinger, and no one knows how they got the keys, but apparently Grunge had no prior arrest in the state of Florida, and he just, it'll just be a slap on the wrist. <laughs> but basically, they got pissed at, hey, should we steal Doug Dillinger's van? <laughs> Like, yeah, amazing. so they're driving around wankered in a van while Brian Pillman and Disco Inferno are telling people that they're here to save hostages. 
Some would say it's the closest Disco Inferno has ever come to being in the Four Horsemen. <laughs> <laughs> well, somehow on the fucking NWO, wasn't it? <laughs> oh, everybody was. Uh, unrelated, a team meeting was scheduled for February the 7th. Is this in WCW? In WCW. WCW. It's believed WCW is going to crack down more on drugs and alcohol abuse. <laughs> With the steroid situation at least no longer out of control, the real problem with drugs in the industry across every promotion, says Dave, is prescription sedatives and f uh, are you know through the roof. As with hindsight, we know, especially with members of the clique, the mm. uh, uppers and downers. And yeah, and uh, Dave's theorized it appears the problem's gotten a lot worse over the past year. The style has changed, bigger bumps, greater risks. And... Did Dave write this before or after the public enemy stole Doug Dylan just struck? He wrote this after. <laughs> <laughs> we think there's a problem with drugs and alcohol in the industry. Yeah, because uh, there's some mudslinging with people alleging that the ECW champion was a drug addict. Oh. Whether that was the Sandman or Raven who who were the, exchanging the belt at the time. I mean, both. We, yeah, we know. <laughs> we know now, but... Why not both? Why not both? So, uh... A little bit of USWA news. Ah, oh, the United States Wrestling Association. The next Memphis show will be February 14th with Undertaker and Bret Hart versus Jerry Lawler and Jeff Jarrett. Whoa. Bret Hart can't fucking escape Jerry Lawler, can he? So we've talked before about USWA, WWF cross-promotion. We had PG-13 on Raw a few months ago and things mm -hmm. like that. So they reckon they've done this because there's a WF show at the Pyramid in Memphis on February 17th. So it's like a bit of cross-promotion. Right. USWA will send some fellas for the undercard. Uh, and the WWF show in Memphis will be Bret Hart versus Jerry Lawler in a cage match. Can't fucking escape him. It's the never-ending feud. It's just forever. I, it's one of my favorite bits when Bret eventually returns to Raw. And one of the first things he said is like, see you there, Lawler. <laughs> and it just cuts the Lawler's mind. He's just under breath goes, I hit, man. I was like, ah, oh, it's really nice, that. <laughs> but fucking feuded for too long. <laughs> Bret Hart with a commentator. Christ, it just carried on and on and on. So a bit of ECW news. ECW, ECW. 911 is gone. Uh, who's the big choke slamming enforcer? I love the whole 911 thing where it's just like he's not a great wrestler, but he does a decent choke slam and looks intimidating. So we'll just send him out whenever. Pretty much. If the match is going shit or we want to kill off a character. Yeah. Call 911. Well, get him gone. It appears things may have gone to his head because he was either fired or quit, depending on who you talk with. Uh, the basic problem is he didn't want to put over either Taz or Sabu. Fucking hell. So Paul Heyman just went, fuck off then. Fucking hell, mate. <laughs> but it just shows the state of wrestling in 96. Holy fuck. There was a February 3rd show in Queens, New York. Drew a sellout of about 1,200 fans, 27,000 on the gate, with several hundred turned away. Uh, Psychosis was meant to be wrestling Rey Mysterio, but he stopped at the border. So, uh, Hooventu Guerrero made a surprise debut against Rey Mysterio. Oh, there you go. That's all right. Value of money. Also on that show, Chris Jericho debuted, beating Rob Van Dam. And after disparaging 911, saying he's not tough, Bam Bam fucking Bigelow debuted. So <laughs> <laughs> Is this after 911 was sent? Yeah. Fuck off. Yeah. Nice. So Dave goes on to say they're not sure the status of Bam Bam Bigelow because I think he's still kind of under contract to WWE. Yeah, but, but we've not... not seen him since he lost to Goldust. Yeah. So I, I think that I would assume that he's done. And because WWF seemed to have like a fairly somewhat decent relationship with ECW, yeah, yeah. like on the quiet, that maybe they've just gone, hey, I have Bigelow. Yeah. Well, Bigelow ended up becoming 
a, a big star for ECW. I know at first mm. they were still chanting LT at him because of the Lawrence Taylor stuff, but become TV champion, member of the Triple Threat, he become ECW World Champion for a cup of coffee. So did he? Yeah, he did. Yeah. Oh wow! I didn't know he became World. Champion. Yeah, yeah. It was briefly. I think he beat Douglas and then dropped it back to Douglas, who dropped it to Taz, who oh. dropped it to Awesome at Anarchy Rules '99. But I know he and uh, I mean Bigelow and Taz had themselves a lovely feud. Oh fuck yeah! Great, great storytelling between those two. Where they went through the ring for the first time. Fuck yeah! yeah. And through the stage as well. I think yeah, they did yeah. too. They did. They did through the ring in Asbury Park, New Jersey. I think, and then through the stage somewhere else. I'm, Maybe I, I Philly. Lo- I fucking love ECW. Yeah. <laughs> and one last bit. Do you want some news on that mad Inoki show we were going oh about last week? Oh, my God. Scouts Inoki hit us with it. So Inoki's there. And he's like, oh, I'm putting the show together. Um, <laughs> who wants to get involved? <laughs> Steven Seagal might be involved. <laughs> of course he is. He's allegedly a massive Inoki fan. <laughs> Would you say Anoki's maybe the Steven Seagal of wrestling? I don't know, because Anoki was at least good. <laughs> so, <laughs> how dare you? <laughs> God, Steven Seagal. Under, oh, right, okay, let's get out there. Under Siege, banging film. The other 99% <laughs> of films that follow. Some of them, okay. A lot of them, shit. <laughs> Did you know, Fact, apparently, a fact about Steven Seagal, he never, ever lost like a fight in a film until Machete. And even then, he loses to himself because he kills himself with a samurai sword. <laughs> That's the first time Steven Scal ever tasted defeat in a film, and it was by his own hand. He ain't putting anyone over, brother. Fuck no, he's not. He ain't putting anyone over, brother. But There's... actually, thinking about it, yeah, the, the stuff Seagal was doing by going over and becoming friends with Kim Jong-un and stuff like that, he is like the martial arts. There's a re- yeah, there's a real similarity between the two. Mm-hmm. Of just, uh, a bit, a bit with Seagal... Just this incredible, like, confidence mm. to what he does. And, like, even though all his films are, shit, are quite shit. Under Siege is a piece of work. But yeah. Adore. It's, there's, a, there's a great clip from a, uh, from a martial arts uh, event where they have Steven Seagal doing a special exhibition. I know the one you mean straight away. <laughs> and it's, it's like, it is like, like, Ric Flair or a legend bouncing the spirit squad around. <laughs> it's like, because these guys are running at him and he's doing like, as literally as, as Jack is showing you on the Patreon now, the most minimal of hand moves and they are going flying everywhere. He looks like he can't be asked to be there and he's just battering about seven people. Have you ever heard the story about Steven Seagal and Jean LaBelle? <laughs> no, but you're about to tell me. I think I might get this a bit muddled because it's me and I do. Um, I think it was on the set for a film. Gene LaBelle used to do a lot of kind of like advising on films because he's hard as fuck, basically. <laughs> and I think Steven Seagal was being a bit cocky. Just like, I'm fucking Steven Seagal. I don't know why he's Scouse. He's not. <laughs> Steven Seagal's a mank. Yeah, I said it. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> and I are kids. I'm, I'm Steven Seagal. Um, and I think he was just being cocky. He was like, I can get out of anything. Yeah. And Gene LaBelle was like, all right, let's let's test this out. Oh, Choked them out unconscious. <laughs> <laughs> knocked him off because he's Gene LaBelle. Steven, Steven Seagal was like, I'll break out of it. And yeah. It's the, it's the, it's the age old lesson of never believe your own press releases. Yeah. So uh, he got put to sleep by Big Gene. Bloody So that, that's everything from the Wrestling Observer newsletter. I'm surprised we never saw Steven Seagal in wrestling. More than we, if we did at all. I feel like it's a, it's a match made in heaven. Well, let's think. Who have we had? We, we had Chuck Norris. 
at Jack some point. Norris. Yes, 1994. Yeah. Not including UFC stars. Are there any other? Like, a- a- action Arnie. stars. Arnie. Um, Hugh Jackman. Yeah. Did Jean-Claude Van Damme ever turn up? Not that I'm aware of. No. His brother Rob did. <laughs> His brother. Wayne Rooney. Wayne Rooney. Action <laughs> star Wayne Rooney. Uh... Beaker from the Muppets. Beaker from the Muppets. <laughs> and Bob Barker. There we go. All the all the all the main ones. All yeah. the main ones rocked up. <laughs> so that's the news. That, that is the news. On the February news. the 5th, 1996. We're now going to take you through this week's episode of Monday Night Raw from February 5th, 1996. You can watch it in its entirety on the WWF network right now. So feel free if you want to pause it and go and watch it and come back and see us. We'll be right here. We're going to crack on right now, though. we got a cold open for Raw this week. We're at the arena with Yokozuna, the British Bulldog, and Jim Cornette already in the ring mm. for a match that was announced at the end of last week's episode of Raw. So because this is all part of the same tapings, one would assume they just rolled into this match. Yeah. Almost immediately. As Vince and Jerry tell us about our main event, a fucking WWF title match between Bret Hart and Yoko's, Bret Hart and The Undertaker, we see Shawn Michaels and Diesel heading towards the ring to Shawn Michaels' music. Did you notice that Diesel looked a little bit fed up on his way to the ring here? He did, yeah. A bit grumpy. I don't know if he was being in character, if he was, or it's just Kevin Nash. He's like, hey. <laughs> I, I got some. I got some honest thoughts on the on Diesel in this episode to come a little bit later on. Oof. Honest thoughts. It's, it's okay. Uh, so our opening match is essentially the one of our two main events. It's the two dudes with attitudes taking on Camp Cornet, Yokozuna, and our boy, the British Bulldog. Oh, fuck. Fucking Owen, why aren't you fucking doing this? I'm fucking knackered. Oh, you see your Corey Slate, he's been shanked. <laughs> he had to ban him from Pastor King. <laughs> he didn't clear me out. Luckily, he didn't know about Treacle King. Oh, fucking yeah. Oh. <laughs> Treacle King. <laughs> no, die, take. Oh. <laughs> Thank God he didn't find condensed milk, King. <laughs> You go, Lovely. Sprinkles King, fuck me. <laughs> Just a mess. <laughs> we uh, Okay, so rock, paper, scissors between Sean and Diesel to determine who starts. Uh, do you think this is a shoot game of rock, paper, scissors? Uh, yeah. <laughs> Sean won, so Diesel lost a life and they had to start the game again. Sorry, <laughs> I was thinking of Alex Kidd in Miracle World. Is that our obligatory Sega reference for the week? Very obligatory. <laughs> in Mali's Hidden Miracle World, the boss says you had to play rock, paper, scissors with them. And if you and if you failed, you died. Oh, God. <laughs> so I was expecting Kevin Nash's spirit to ascend to the heavens. Like, do, 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 do. And then have to start the map again. Do, 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 do. Anyway, that didn't happen. So fuck you, whoever made Alex Hidden Miracle World. You re-released it recently, and it's still too fucking hard. Um... <laughs> Just saying, the world agrees with me. I'm not. I'm not a wuss when it comes to games, but it's fucking difficult. I mean, like needlessly difficult. Yeah, annoyingly difficult. I didn't. I took no pleasure in playing it at points because I was just like, oh, so you're telling me that there's a there's a bag that I need to collect on level four that allows me to complete level ten. You're not gonna fucking tell me that at all. I've just got to make sure I collect every little fucking thing along the way just in fucking case. Get fucked. It's okay, Tom. Furious. It's okay. So fu- oh, fuck it. So if you're listening to this and you reach out, if you're a similar Alex Kid 
post-traumatic survivor. Um, Bulldog gets a shoulder block that sends Michaels to the outside. It seemed like Michaels was going to grab the bottom rope and prevent himself <laughs> from tumbling, but he missed, and he kind of slid out of the ring like a cat on the kitchen floor. Yeah. Just like... <laughs> Then hit the ground. Balls in the air. Bulldog goes for a gorilla press. Sean gives him the old thumb in the eye, sends him to the outside of the ring. Yokozuna gets into the ring to try and stop Michael's momentum. Irish whips him, but Diesel catches Shawn Michaels off the Irish whip and throws him into Yoko like a projectile. He just That's great. I, I, did, I really liked it. I thought... Yeah, because like I've said to you, I like it when it, even though it was quite a choreographed spot, it did feel spare of the moment in the match. Yeah. Like, I've got this fuck, fucking after. Yeah, it was great. I like that a lot. Yeah. Uh, the match resets with Diesel and Yoko going at it. The crowd chanting Diesel as Yoko gives him a Samoan drop. The brief series is much better than Diesel's matches with Mabel. Yes, it is. There's a much, there's a much more palpable, brighter energy between these two. Uh, Bulldog pulls the top rope down on Shawn Michaels, who's attempting to. Uh, keep Kevin Nash in control, ends up hoying Sean into the steps as Bulldog to take him out of the game for a bit. When we go to break uh, with Bulldog and Yoko double-teaming Sean Michaels, mm -hmm. we come back, Sean still getting a battering from Yoko. Lawler is putting the blame on last week's shenanigans in Camp Cornet on Yoko Zuna, saying he's keen to get back in the good books tonight. So they're still kind of, as we're going to see shortly, Still needling the fact that Yokozuna, despite the fact that it's been a victim of circumstance three occasions, <laughs> yeah. all three are his fault. Uh, they, they, sorry, go on. <laughs> I said just poor bastard. Poor, sorry, poor, poor bastard. form by me there, just forgetting that we were recording. That's fine. <laughs> I forget sometimes too, fuck. They talk about Vader's 24-hour career in the WWF. Vince reveals that we'll hear from Clarence Mason, Cornette's attorney, and Gorilla Monsoon later tonight. Hey. I can't wait to hear from Gorilla. Uh, Michaels avoids a Yoko standing splash. Big tag, hot tag to hot big daddy, cool hot Diesel. Diesel batters Yoko. Bulldog attempts to make a save, immediately kicked in the face and dies. <laughs> it was just really funny. <laughs> just... He just hit the ground just like he'd been shot. <laughs> <laughs> Diesel knocks Yoko down and Sean hits a splash off of Diesel's shoulders. That was nice. Very nice. Sean, uh, Bulldog go, uh, Sean makes the cover on Yoko. Bulldog goes to break the cover, but Sean moves. So uh, Bulldog leg drops Yoko by mistake. A nice reflection on what happened last mm -hmm. week. Sean lands sweet cheer music on Yoko, who falls out of the ring. And neither Bulldog nor a suddenly appearing Owen Hart are able to get Yoko back in the ring. He gets counted out, and the dudes with attitude pick up the win. Post-match, Cornette chews Yokozuna out, blaming Yoko for losing the match. Cornette prods Yoko in the chest. That means and Yoko has had enough. He pushes Cornette, starts battering him. Owen and Bulldog try and pull away, but a fired-up Yokozuna runs around the ring screaming, and Owen and Bulldog leg it. Yokozuna does something that vaguely resembles giving chase as the crowd cheer to end the segment. What do you reckon? Fucking love this. A lot going on. Decent tag opener. Yeah, great. Uh, I, I really like this match. Um, the crowd, again, fantastic. Yeah. Really, really hot for it. it. I noticed with this, and we'll come on to it a bit later, Diesel was playing more the straight babyface in this match mm. rather than more of the tweener that he's been playing because was it Mabel that he just <laughs> fucking battered in seconds a few weeks back? 10 seconds, a big boot and a win, wasn't it? Exactly, yeah. Um, HBK is a great babyface in peril. And with the post-match stuff, Yoko looked amazing. Just going... <laughs> it's like never seen him like that he's usually you know just like he'll shout Banzai but he's usually just quite 
calm and collected, but he looks great. You, I'm right on his side because they've just treated him like a tit. Yeah, top marks. Dead simple storytelling that paid off really well. Mm. It's only taken a couple of weeks for them to make Yokozuna into a, a strong baby face. Yeah. Which is great to see. A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot maybe your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. How would you like to look five years younger? In a clinical study, people that had volume added with Juvederm Voluma XC in the cheeks perceived themselves as looking five years younger at six months after treatment. Look younger, feel like you. Add volume for lift and contour in the cheeks with Juvederm Voluma XC. Reverse signs of aging by adding volume to smooth laugh lines with Juvederm Volur XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. We get a Mankind promo once again. Yes, we fucking do. Uh, it seems that things are starting to change around here, says this mysterious newcomer, who's only all the all we see of is a gnarled ear in a smoky room. Getting a little out of control. Maybe I finally found a home. A hardcore home. Now I can have a nice day. Is this the first reference to hardcore? I believe w. it is. I don't think I don't think they've mentioned the word hardcore. No. You know, this is the company that probably about a year ago were going, oh, don't hit don't hit him with a jab. Ooh. Oh, don't do that, you Ooh. bastard. We're sponsored by Marshmallows. Ooh. So, yeah, this is a real, like, if you didn't sense the tide was turning, mm. in fact, the man, the, the man that we will know as Mankind. Yeah. At this point in time, Mankind the Mutilator. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I, I, yeah, it just... Dave's like, oh, Mankind the Mutilator. Even last week he said he was called Mason the Mutilator, even though they called him Mankind on TV. So, And in on The Observer, it's written Mankind with a capital M and a capital K. Yeah. I thought it was quite interesting. Yeah. Mortal Kombat. Also, yeah. <laughs> Mortal Kombat the Mutilator. Mm. Observer also, this is a little cheeky thing I just spotted. Um, Cactus Jack walked his last show in Philly, mm. and on the back of his shirt it said, join the new generation. It did, yeah. Because so. he was still doing the anti-hardcore stuff and... Becoming the biggest heel in ECW. <laughs> but even on his last night, everyone loves Cactus Jack. So. Yeah, it's hard not to. Yeah. Uh, Vince McMahon is plugging Stilk Stockings. Now, this used to be a regular occurrence during the Justin Henry era hmm. of the classic Raw review. Every week there'd be a plug for Stilk Stockings. So I didn't know whether this was a first time. Yeah, no, it did. This went over my head. Yeah. yeah. So this was a crime drama and it's spelled. 
stalkings, as in to stalk someone. So it's a double oh. meaning. Um, it's an American crime drama uh, that portrays the daily lives of two detectives who solve, and according to Wikipedia, sexually based crimes of passion. Mm. It's a sexy crime show. And it normally follows from Raw. It's a detective John Silken. <laughs> well, they, no, it was it was Silk Stalkings because it's a play on Silk Stockings. Yeah, but I was, I was just thinking, you know, just cr- John Silk. Yeah, you know what they're like. Cagney and Lacey. Lacey fucking undies. <laughs> Lacey undies was the follow-on series. <laughs> uh, I believe by this point it was into maybe its fifth season. Jesus Christ. Really popular. And, in, and they'd gone through the ringer with it because the two characters who were in the first two seasons, uh, their story sort of played out. They did this whole Mulder and Scully, will they, won't they type thing, Yeah. except they decided they will, and they ended up seeing each other. And then about two episodes later, the guy was shot dead. <laughs> uh, so they had two sort of preliminary characters from this detective agency take the lead. Yeah. And people went, this is shit. They're crap. And about halfway through the season, they bin that off and then brought in two brand new characters with a bit of sexual tension mm. to kind of recapture. They never quite truly recaptured the energy of the first couple of seasons, but I think it ran all the way. I think it ran to like season six or seven. Um, and every so often you mentioned on Raw. It's, it's weird with those shows, like uh, when I worked in HMV, if it was stocking up all the DVDs and it'd be like, ah, oh, season 15 of JAG. And I was like, what the <laughs> fuck is all this? 15 seasons. Yeah. Make your head fall off, wouldn't oh, it? Oh, Christ. I get like that now with Netflix. I'm just going to nine seasons of this. Uh, I don't know whether I want to get in. I don't know whether it's I'm too too far removed. Especially with it's American seasons, like ah, 58 episodes a season, and you're like, oh, I hate that. It's an obligation. Just do six. You're weird. Yeah. Um, Hakushi versus the one, two, three kid is up next. Here we go. Kid's got a large baby bottle with him. Oh, fuck. We're really doing the crybaby thing, aren't we? Yeah. So this is the they teased us last week a crybaby match. Between the one, two, three kid and Razor Ramon, uh, who apparently had a family issue this week and missed some yes. live events. Um, there's a kid in the crowd during the opening of this match. Did you catch the kid in the crowd? No. So during the during the match, as the one, two, three kids taking over, I think he's chanting four, five, six. Yeah, I did. Yeah, because I thought he was chanting "suck my dick" at the beginning. I thought he was going "suck my dick." I was like, <laughs> and, and yeah. I mean, he, he might have been. But yeah. I thought it was four, five, six. Because he was really going for it and no one was joined in and he kind of stopped. I did pick up on him, yeah. It was one voice singing in the darkness and I think eventually, I think a few other people joined in but then it just died at yeah. death. Uh, Harkushi takes the lead early as Kid takes a powder. Not a powder on the bum. Save that for the pay-per-view, you fucking morons. Um, <laughs> this is pretty much all Harkushi until Kid reverses the whip and sends him to the outside. Follows up with a rolling scent on some of the kid's offense. is still very baby face. Yeah. Considering he's a wrong one these days. Yeah. I always think that's strange. He, he looked very aggressive in this, though, and, like, determined. Mmm. There's an, en- there's an edge to him, which is yeah. helping. So when he was hitting these things, that, like, where he would have hit him in the past, he'd have, like, a face that says, oh, my God, I can't yeah. believe I'm doing well. Come he, on. He was, like, kicking fuck out of him with a face that said, I'm kicking fuck out of you. Ted DiBiase puts some boots into Harkushi while the rest distracted as well. Vince McMahon tells us as the match wears on and Harkushi takes a shoe in that despite complaints from Turner Broadcasting, we will hear from billionaire Ted later on. Oh, you're hard. Uh, <laughs> There's been a lot of that this week. And oh, Christ. We're getting a segment anyway. 
Harkushi is able to counter the kid's top rope. Nothing with a drop kick to get back in the game. We see a huge springboard dive outside the ring, followed up by a diving shoulder block for a near fall. He took far too long to cover. He did. He did. He just quicker. kind of went, oh, big shoulder block there. Little, yeah, look how great I am. Almost finished the match. Like running underwater. Jesus. Kid ducks an Irish whip clothesline, lands a spinning heel kick, but gets caught with a hurricane rada a short while later. Mm. Banger of a match so far. End comes when Harkushi goes for one more big top rope move. Kid counters it with a drop kick and lands, whoa, an avalanche double underhook superplex for a clean three. Where'd that come from? What a fucking great match. Great match. When I saw it was coming up, I was like, oh, it's Hakushi versus the one, two, three kid. I was like, oh, this should be good. If they're both in the mood for it, if there's not going to be any shenanigans with Razor running out. It was weird because like you said, kid went over clean as a whistle. It's the strongest he's looked in ages. He was busting them out. Uh, Hakushi did get his time to shine, but it was it was great. Mm. It was a really good match. By 1996 standards, really good. By 2000 and 22, I know they said 2002, how my wish. Mm-hmm. By 2022 standards, still a really good match. Still holds up well. Yeah. Uh, we cut to Clarence Mason and Jim Cornette. Mason is threatening to sue if Vader is not reinstated. Mason's great here. He's Very great on the lively mic. character. Very good. Um, the Observer writes that Vader was scheduled for shul- shoulder surgery uh, this week and is expected back in the ring by WrestleMania. So yes. we certainly have not seen the last of Vader. Um, we then go to Gorilla Monsoon, presumably at home. But it looks like it could just be a, a, like a sound stage somewhere. He looked very comfortable, didn't he? Just yeah. sitting in a chair with a neck brace on, like, oh, hello. It looks a bit like the, like a, like we look very cosy on the set of Sally, Jesse, Raphael. Yes, yeah. Um, Monsoon talks through his injury. Right. I did I did some digging. I, 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 I went behind the words here. Because the one thing, I, one thing that, that old bastards like me remember about Gorilla Monsoon's commentary is his love of going like, oh, the he hit him in the Vesuvius plexus. And the solar plexus. Oh, right, in the solar plexus, Jesse. Yeah. 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 and God are getting strangled. So Monsoon, in fine Monsoon form, informs us that as a result of his attack, the attack by Vader, he suffered a hairline fracture of the transverse process of the third cervical vertebrae and some torn intercostal cartilage. Right. Okay, so most of this is real. Uh, the transverse process is a small bony projection off the right and left side of each of the third vertebrae. The two transverse processes of each vertebrae function as the site of attachment for muscles and ligaments of the spine, as well as the point of articulation of the ribs, the mm. thoracic spine. Yes. So it's a, it's, a, it's a crucial little bit of the Lego man that is our bodies. Uh, transverse process fractures, hairline fractures in particular, are common results of trauma, although considered minor and stable lumbar spine fractures. It's a strong association between transverse process fractures and other traumatic injuries. So they're, they're relatively common when you get a, a shoe mm. in. Um, some torn intercostal cartilage. Now, I couldn't find intercostal. I found costochondral costochondral separation, uh, which occurs when your rib tears away from the cartilage that connects it to your breastbone, usually caused by a sudden impact to your chest. So that would make sense as well, because he got the old Vader bomb, didn't he? Um, Monsoon, uh, so it was somewhat right, actually. I like like the way that he overemphasized, he monsooned the shit out of it. Um, How's his bread basket, though? He didn't mention his bread basket. (laughs) He had his bread basket on show, but he didn't mention it. (laughs) 
He thanks the fans for their letters and apologizes for not responding as the WWF president, but as Gorilla Monsoon, the wrestler. He refuses to apologize to Vader, though, saying that his fate is in the hands of the board of directors. Um, Jerry Lawler wants to know what the fuck he was thinking, turning over the WWF to Rowdy Roddy Piper. (laughs) To which he says, Piper's been a friend of mine for 27 years, and he's a man's man. So cue Stephen Regal with an axe. He's a man, <laughs> such a man. Such a man. I know at times he can be a loose cannon, but in desperate times you have to take drastic action. What were the desperate times? Swatted by a big lunatic. Swatted by Vader. Yeah. He thinks Piper will be good for the WWF and he plans to return after WrestleMania. So nice to hear from Gorilla Monsoon here. I like that, yeah, it, it gave, like you said, him monsooning his injuries. I did chuckle at that going, ah, never change Gorilla. <laughs> never change your lovely man. But, but like him <clears> saying, <throat> he was saying, yeah, I didn't act like I should have. I was provoked. <clears throat> a bit of a twatty thing to do, but, you know. And like his explanation for bringing in Piper, he's like, well, yeah, I need an enforcer who's a bit of an arsehole. It, it all made sense. Yeah, I guess somebody that isn't going to take any bullshit exactly. while he's away. So I guess Piper won't. Vince tells us that Raw is off air next week. Lawler, is that because of Billionaire Ted? Vince, no, it's because of another dog show of sorts. The Westminster Dog Show. No. Even in a plug for the dog show, you're giving WCW a little kick. <laughs> always, always giving him a shivering. And we know why the dog show is preempting Raw, don't we? We talked about that last week. You're just a, a better class of viewer, yes. according to advertisers. They're not thick, stupid wrestling fans like you. Talking of which, what was Raw uh, brought to us by this week? The US Army. <laughs> Join up, kids. Uh, Jerry Lawler says, look for the Army hyperlink on the WWF's AOL website. <laughs> this is so nice, isn't it? Yeah. To find out how you can be all you can be. So there's a little bit on the um, on the WWF's website if you want to join the army this week. Um, I tried to find some stuff about what the US Army were up to in '96. It's pretty, you know, we just had you know a, a bit of a war in the early '90s, but bit, we're sort of between, between we're between wars at the moment. <laughs> I wonder I wonder how many people signed up and like when they were signed up it was like and what what brought you here today? And it's like oh well Jerry Lawler told me to. Like, <laughs> that's another one in the Jerry Lawler column. Oh wow, look at him. We'll send him a badge. <laughs> And just like that, it's main event o'clock on Monday Night Raw. We it have is. zipped through the last 47 minutes. Jesus fuck, we haven't we? We haven't we. Uh, it is Undertaker <laughs> versus Bret Hart for the WWF Championship. I mean, class to have a big match like this on Raw. Yeah. They, they even acknowledge it on commentary. It's just like, this This is a rarity. We've got mm. the WWF Championship. Uh, it's all come about because um, we had Bret versus Undertaker that Diesel got involved in. We have Brett versus Diesel that mm. Undertaker got involved in. So there's, a, there's all sorts of stuff going on between these three, uh, which is building to something uh, that we won't see on pay-per-view. Because uh, Jerry Lawler mentions it near the start of this match where he's um, complaining about Roddy Piper changing the cards all over the place and stuff like that. And he's perplexed by Piper's suggestion of something called a triple threat match. A what? A triple threat match. I know! Pray, Tom, what's a triple threat match? Fucking hell! They didn't tell you on Raw. (laughs) They didn't tell you. Other than for the first time in the history of the WWF, uttering the words triple threat match. Yeah. Because again, like this is a point in time where the idea of either a tag team match or a one-on-one match is unthinkable. Yeah. Never. No! It's these singles or tag. 
do a three, you could do a six man tag if you want, or an eight man tag, or a ten man tag, but not a three of the same. So they don't mention it on Raw. Um, I had, a, I had a look through the network. I couldn't find anything on the network because WWF Superstars episodes stop currently at around December 95. So I couldn't find like the... But then, thank, thankfully, the, the, the pirate kings of YouTube, somebody uploaded uh, this week's episode of WWF Superstars onto YouTube illegally. So thanks for doing that. Uh, and I found a clip of a coked up Doc Hendricks that explains what the fuck all this is about. Um, so... The triple threat match in question. This is taking place at the Continental Airlines Arena, uh, newly renamed Continental Airlines Arena, on February the 24th. So this is a house show. They're plugging two big house shows during this episode of Superstars that I found. It's a Madison Square Garden one and this Continental Airlines one a couple of days later. Mm. Um, and the Continental Airlines one features the first ever triple threat match between The Undertaker, Diesel, and Bret Hart. Now that sounds pretty cool. How does it work? Right. Fucking awfully, that's how. <laughs> Stupidly. WCW, in December, put on a triangle match for the first time. We talked about it on the Classic Nitro review. It was on Starcade. And they went, all right, so here's how a triangle match works. It's two wrestlers in the ring. You've got to tag the other. And then they come in and you, fuck, just put three in the ring, you bellends. ECW are doing it. Just ECW are doing it. You're going to rub everything else. So I thought, thank God, the triple threat match is here. Yeah. That's fine. But no! Michael Hayes <laughs> says the following. So here's how a triple threat match works for the WWF Championship. The champion will start, and Diesel and Undertaker will face a coin flip. Mm. Whoever, gets the, whoever wins the coin flip starts the match. Whoever loses the coin flip waits outside. They have a one-on-one -on -one match. Does the coin flip winner and the champ, whoever wins that, will then face whoever's outside in the next match. Triple threat. So it's a gauntlet, basically. It's a gauntlet with extra steps. And I just just put them all in the ring. Why is that so difficult? Why? Why? I don't, and I don't know because I wasn't there. But is the idea of putting three wrestlers in the ring at the same time just so horrifying to traditionists traditionalists potentially I that's the only thing I can think of because yeah. both companies with EC, ECW did it fucking Smoky Mountain did it mm. and but to WWF and WCW they're like yo fuck me you fucking pigs no chance who do you think you are Della Soul yeah. fuck <laughs> off <laughs> who do you think you are Hanson <laughs> Alan Alan Hanson who do you think you are? Fucking Sonic Triple Trouble on the Game Gear. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so that's the... So they don't reference it on Raw. So look at us doing a little bit of extra fucking work. We do this for you. We do it for you. You're welcome. Um, <laughs> so the match itself, Brett has an early flurry. Taker lands a headbutt to stop it. And this match basically kind of goes that way. It is Undertaker and Brett Hart wailing on each other with kicks and punches and scrappy offense all the way throughout. Like, there's not really a whole lot to sink your teeth into no. with this. I was quite... I, I shouted across the office to you. I said, this match is a bit shit, isn't it? <laughs> when we were watching it. Being generous, the only thing I can say is, because obviously Brett's got his black eye and he's 
knackered and they're saying, oh, you could you could see it as, oh, look at the hitman fighting on. He's a fighting champion. He's requested this match. He's getting battered, but he's still going. Mm, yeah, there but is that's, that. But that's being generous because, yeah, it wasn't wasn't the best. It wasn't great. No. Uh, Diesel heads ringside just as Undertaker's about to do old school or presumably as it's called at this point, middle school. <laughs> um, it distracts the Undertaker long enough for Bret Hart to chuck him off the top rope and then start Charlie horsing his leg. <laughs> Diesel sits down at commentary and just chips in every so often with a couple of lines, a bit like he's turned up drunk. <laughs> Yeah, I like the fact that he's like, Vince McMahon's like, Diesel, what are you doing here? And he's like, what are you doing here? Someone told me I'd get more money for decent commentary. Yeah, that's <laughs> it's it. Like, it's like... a proper Diesel line, wasn't it? <laughs> yeah. There's some cash on the line here. He then randomly says, hey, I was watching the Weather Channel today, and they say it's minus 70 in hell. Mm. Minus, it's, it's, cold, it's a cold day in hell. Great. Cheers, Diesel. Um, the crowd are chanting Tombstone as Undertaker goes for a tombstone on Bret Hart. Uh, Tim White gets in the way and just gets clattered by Brett's legs. Yeah. <laughs> Clumsy. Hart does a roll up, but the ref's not there to count it. With the ref down, here comes Diesel, who just starts battering Bret Hart on the outside of the ring. Yeah, he twats him. Undertaker takes exception to this. He begins brawling with Big Daddy Cool. Uh, Diesel sent scattering to the outside to, to, to the top of the uh, the the outside area, grabs a steel chair and just clatters the Undertaker in response. Throws him into the ring and plants him with a jackknife. Undertaker starts sitting up and Diesel loves it. He's smiling, saying, come on, big boy, and gives him another one. Diesel leaves. Bret Hart attacks him on the ramp. A brawl gets broken up by the officials. And then during the break, apparently Undertaker sits up and legs it backstage for revenge. The whole match is thrown out. Yeah. I just, what did you make of this? Uh, uh, Me being an eloquent wordsmith. I was just written, match was poo. (laughs) Um... (laughs) Was this an official turn for Diesel, or is this just more of him acting the bollocks? Because he was getting booed for the second jackknife. There was there was some cheers in there, but he was getting booed. And I thought the heat when it, like we were saying, it was a bit. eh. But when him and Taker started fighting, and he was hitting Brett and chairs coming into it, I was like, at this point in time in WWF, chaos is fresh. Mm. So I like, I did like the angle of it. But I feel, I feel like this is this could potentially be an official turn. Or whether or not, like, this is the thing that I've I've loved about Diesel is that, like, the turn has come very organically. Yes. And there's a direct comparison that I can draw on the Classic Nitro review because they're trying a similar thing with Lex Luger where he's playing the face hanging out with Sting yeah, and the heel hanging out with Jimmy Hart in the Dungeon of Doom. And Luger is shit at it. Like he's I I can't I don't like it because Luger, like and there's a lot of people that really like Lex Luger as a wrestler, and I think he's a guy that you give him direction, you wind him up and let him go. Yeah. The idea of playing both sides as a babyface and a heel requires such nuance <laughs> that Luger sorely lacks. And I just get the impression that he doesn't like it's not that he's playing both sides in a clever me big wrestling brain type way, he just comes across as a bit thick and a bit lost. Like whenever he talks, 
whenever he's cut a promo, I get the vibe that he doesn't know what he's going to say next. I weirdly feel uncomfortable watching a Lex Luger promo because I don't think even he knows where he's <laughs> going. And sometimes you'll hear him trail off sentences and they'll go, wow, you really didn't know where you were going with this. And I just... The way they've put it all together on Nitro, it's 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 such a hot mess. And Lugas, you and I've been saying, I was saying to Sam, like I don't mind the whole playing both sides thing because when it's done right, it's really good. Yeah, and that is where I relate it to Diesel because I think Diesel has played it excellently since he since his since he sat up after getting rolled up from short from Bret Hart, going motherfucker. Like since that moment. He's been kind of a bit of a good guy, but with a real bad guy like vibe to him. Like every so often, you catch him looking miserable, hanging out with Shawn Michaels. Yeah, and then he kind of snaps through it. Something like this. I think he's been so wonderfully nuanced. Yeah, and and this heel turn people just went for, and despite the fact that they she were cheering him forty minutes before making the hot tag and the big save for Shawn. Happy to boo him here because he's battering the Undertaker. People love Taker as well, don't they? Yeah, that's it. Because what was it the other week when he turns up and flips him off and just goes, fuck off, Taker. And you're like, oh, yeah, Kevin that's... Nash, you're cool. <laughs> <laughs> but he's just, he's just so I've, I'm a big fan of of Diesel at this point. Yeah. And and how he's he's played both sides, more so than Luger doing it badly on Nitro. Having said that, this main event wasn't very good. Mm. Wow. The thing I did like about it, though, that they were saying throughout the match is the main event scene is also quite unpredictable. Because going into this match, the options for WrestleMania are either Sean versus Brett, if Brett gets through this and then um, gets through In Your House, or it'll be Undertaker versus Sean, or it's Diesel versus Sean. So with hindsight, we know, oh, well, it's Sean and Brett, that's the rivalry. But at this point in time, I wouldn't have would have been surprised if I would have been thinking, ooh, they're going to do Diesel versus Sean again at WrestleMania where Sean mm. gets his win and have a Brett Undertaker grudge match. So they, Yeah, so they're keeping you guessing all the yeah. way through. But, yeah, the execution, especially considering how strong the first two matches were on this show. Yeah. Mm, yeah. A little bit. Anyway, it's not even the main event. No, of course not. Here comes the main event. Um, it is, despite the fact that WWE, been, this mom and pop company, the WWF, have been threatened with lawsuits from the evil billionaire oh, Ted. Oh. We get the billionaire Ted press conference part two. Um, we have billionaire Ted, uh, the huckster, the Nacho Man, and Scheme Gene on the uh, podium. Incidentally, the Observer said Gene Oakland on the WCW 900 line this week claimed that Curtis Iokea was coming into the WWF to form a heel group called the Tunnel of Doom, to which McMahon said, that is complete bollocks. <laughs> <laughs> and it would turn out to be bollocks, so that's bollocks. good. So, a voiceover guy announces that we had the press conference from last week. Now, this voiceover. Mm. Is this not the NWO voiceover, man? What? <laughs> the following announcement has been paid for oh, by the, the New World, World Order. Order. This sounds like him. I'm sure that guy was a Turner employee, though, wasn't he? Was he? So maybe it's because I was looking into it. Winky dink. Because I, for years, thought the I always thought it was Bischoff putting on a bit of a voice. Mm. The new, new, new world order. But apparently, it's it's not him. Right. Yeah. So this probably isn't that guy. Then it's just a, just a convenient sound the like to him. Yeah. We see Ted. We see footage of Ted flapping under the pressure of questions about trying to shut down innocent mom and pop company, the WWF. 
and refusing to spend his own money to shut them down. More questions come in from the press conference, including, isn't it true that your wrestling company has lost millions of dollars over the years, thus wasting stockholders' good money? Ted says it doesn't matter because he's having fun and it's a plaything for him. When the merger goes through of AOL and Time Warner, will you exhibit the same attitude? Ted doubles down, saying he's having fun. He says the stockholders may be upset, but he's not. What is it that motivates you, Ted? To which Ted says, money, power. I want to own everything. So when I die and see my daddy again, I can say, kiss it. That's all, folks. See ya. <laughs> well, that's just mean. Yeah. Um, so we get that as they sign off. We then get as it all goes to black, fade up on a screen grab or a screenshot of a newspaper advert, which features a car, like an illustrated drawing of Billionaire Ted with the words, Attention stockholders, has Ted Turner lost $40 million of your money in his personal vendetta against the World Wrestling Federation? Where are these losses reported in TBS financial statements? Time Warner, beware. And as we see this on the screen, a very somber Vince McMahon tells us that this advert was rejected by the New York Times and the Wall Street Journal. However, a modified version will be published in the New York Times financial segment on Wednesday. Right. Rambunctious. What the Campbell. fuck? You're, you've got you've got reams of notes on this. Fucking tons. So I'm going to hand, hand this to you because <clears throat> there's there's a lot to unpack from this billionaire Ted debacle. <clears throat> right. <laughs> Fuck me. <laughs> right. To, this is all from the Observer. This is how the Observer kicks off, and there's tons. And I've had to try and go through it because, as we know. Dave has a way of writing, and I've tried to cut it down, and I've tried to make it clear, but at times it'll sound like fucking gibberish. So as he says, the waters got even muddier in the strangest Monday night in the history of television wrestling. He said, WWF's ultimate strategy, which began with the billionaire Ted skits on January 1st, apparently came fully to light this past week. The object appears to make a huge effort to bring up publicly both the millions of dollars in losses suffered by WCW since its purchase by TBS in 1988, and, behind the scenes, complained to the FTC about alleged predatory business practices about WCW and the TBS organization in competition and throwing drug allegations to muddy the waters as well. The idea appears to be to, as publicly as possible, paint a negative picture of both the financial situation of WCW, its business practices, and bring up a possible drug problem to somehow cause the tiny organization in the Turner Empire to be examined by Time Warner before the merger that is expected to take place between the two organizations later in 1996. So, WWF has threatened a complaint before the FTC before May, when the merger is expected to go through. As we know, it goes through late... Is it late 98, but doesn't properly go through until 2000, Yeah, it, it very late goes through. But it, this is going to be a saga for a few years. The complaint is believed to be regarding... Uh, WWF losing out to WCW and getting a prime noon Saturday time slot in the Memphis market when it believes the Turner organization used CNN headline news as a bargaining chip. In other words, the station was told that if it wanted headline news in return, it would have to take WCW Wrestling's syndicated show instead of the WWF's. The fucking brass neck on Vince McMahon. It's amazing. It's amazing. 
Vince McMahon claimed an official of the station told both he and Jerry Lawler exactly that at the NATPE convention last week, but then refused to say it say so under oath if WWF were to try and go to court on the charge. Such practices are frowned upon by the FTC, but are not all that unusual in the television industry. Do I remember Vince McMahon saying, if you want Survivor Series and the WWF, you have to do that, and you can't run Clash yeah. of the Champions, you fuckers. Yeah, he's, he basically said to them, don't run Clash of the Champions, and you can have Survivor Series and the Royal Rumble. Yeah, so Vince has done this so many times. It's part of what makes him a brilliant businessman and a ruthless billionaire because he's just like, he's done all this shit himself. And he said, fuck it. I know what he's doing. I can use this to my advantage. So he's trying to call attention to all other allegations. He's trying to make it look terrible because even though WCW is a very small fish in the pond of what is could be this Time Warner thing, he wants them to kind of look at it and think, oh... Do we really want to merge with this company if if they're running business practices like this? He's kicking up a stink to try and halt the process. Yeah, because as it as it said here, if it goes through, WCW would have be part of the largest media conglomerate in the world and would have the financial power no pro wrestling organization in history would have ever had. Mm. Which, you know, in hindsight... (laughs) (laughs) Vince McMahon said he'd reveal exactly what his strategy is with the billionaire Ted Skitt and what is expected to be a very public non-wrestling fight in financial journals. Time Warner in recent years sold its interest in Six Flag Amusement Park because it was consistently not profitable. Dropped some of its hip-hop recording artists who were profitable because of the negative publicity associated with them. So they're thinking, Dave's saying that Vince is thinking that he's going to play to them by saying, WCW is not profitable and it's full of arseholes. Why would you want and, it? And because, as you said a minute ago, the, they are such a drop in the ocean yeah. for Turner, they could they probably wouldn't even think to worry about it. So by yeah. WWF kicking up a stinking like the New York Times and the Wall Street Journal yeah. by saying, hey, look at this. It's going to draw the eyes of exactly. AOL Time Warner to that business. Dave has said this strategy could backfire because the nature of personal attacks by McMahon and Ted Turner and the skits could awaken some sleeping giants in the Turner and Time Warner world that don't know or care about pro wrestling. But if they get dragged into a war, they are people who could crush Vince McMahon in 1996. There is a lot of money in legal that could come from Time Warner. Yeah, so it, it goes over again, uh, the, the stuff in the billionaire Ted skit, and at the end when he, he, he says that his dad can kiss his ass. Apparently, this was something Ted Turner either publicly said or felt because he didn't get on with his dad. So they've... They're, they're alleging, oh, well, it's parody. This is the character of Ted Turner. He doesn't like his dad kind of thing. They'll argue, I think, with a lot of the things mm. they say. Well, it's all stuff that's out in the public sphere. Mm. So, of course, we can say it. Like last week when uh, they signed off with him, like, asking for his tablets. Yeah. Like, oh, my pills. My lithium, yeah. My lithium. Like, it's obviously out in the public sphere that he's taking lithium for a bad heart. Yeah. So, therefore, in Vince's weird head, that's open to parody. Yeah. So it goes on, you know, about this advert that's going to eventually run after getting turned down by some news outlets. It's now believed as a result, WCW won't attempt to stop WWF from running a Huckster versus Nacho Man match at WrestleMania. Uh, They could take legal action because TBS and or Marvel Comics owns the likeness to Hogan, Savage, Turner for marketing purposes. Unlike a television parody, this is using the names for marketing when using it on a pay-per-view event. 
However, WWF have apparently geared up for that with its audience. Like we were saying last week, it's a win-win. If they go ahead with it, they could say, ah, fuck WCW. If WCW stopped them, they're like, they're trying to silence us. The big man's trying to hold us down. So Bischoff's kind of realized this, and he says, no point trying to block this because that plays into their hands. Let them do it because they look like tits. So this isn't the only weird thing that happened as you'll come up to on the Nitro review. Yeah. On February 5th, during the televised main event of Nitro, the power went out in the Lakeland Civic Center where they were broadcasting. TNT first showed a slide of TNT Nitro, then went into commercial after commercial before the backup generator in the building could get enough power to, you know, run television live. Excuse me. (laughs) According to WCW sources, at the building. The power failure was the result of a construction follow-up at the adjacent exhibit hall, which caused power in the entire complex to go out. When the show went back on, Bischoff insinuated it was an act of sabotage in a heated wrestling war. <laughs> While not mentioning anyone by name, Bischoff came back on the air as the match was still in progress, saying almost sarcastically, I wonder how that happened, and desperate people do desperate things. And later, I like the competition. I love a good fight. If the fight isn't good, I don't like being in it. This left Vince McMahon furious because it was at least an insinuation of him being involved in something that was illegal and his company had absolutely nothing to do with, claiming Bischoff's statements were really below the belt. Not that WCW wasn't also majorly pissed off by billionaire Ted Skitts that aired moments earlier. Amazing. So uh, just the absolute... Like I'm, I'm always, always in awe of like the audacity of people like Vince McMahon who are like, we're running these skits, taking the piss out of you. Ha, ah, you got a heart problem. Ha, ah, your dad's dead. Ha, ah, you, you're greedy. Ha, ha, ha. Ted Turner's greedy. Ha. Ah. Well, the power went out. I wonder who did that. Right, I'm going to fucking have you. Stop slagging us off. I'll can do you. I'll fucking do you. Just like a little man looking for a fight in a pub, innit? Exactly, It's yeah. just that. It's just that. And that's fantastic. That is... And the, the lengths they go to... to it, it, to go back and forth. It's only getting worse. Oh, God. It's only getting worse. Yeah. But we are reaching the zenith of at least the billionaire Ted stuff. Already. Yeah, yeah. And they do get around the whole issue of pay-per-view because if they're advertising it to sell a pay-per-view, then there's it's a grey area. But yeah. they, they, find a, they find a solution that works that doesn't get them in too much legal hot water and uh, they're allowed to crack on and do. Yeah, but it's... It's ridiculous the amount of tit for tat. Like we said, I both admire McMahon for his ballsiness and being like, I'm going up against them, fuck it. Mm. But also at the same time, it's like, who's the man who did more than anyone else to destroy his competition throughout the years? Mm-hmm. But, you know, Bischoff aside, trying to literally put McMahon out of business. But McMahon in the 80s, he was like, ah, oh, over wrestling companies, fuck you. Yeah, <laughs> so Vincent Mann's strategy of going to East East territories and going, I want to work with you, and they're like, Hey, you're not, you're a young man, fuck off, work brilliant, and they go, Okay, um, I've just written checks for all your top wrestlers. Yeah, they're all coming to work for me. I'm having Piper, I'm having Mean Gene, I'm having later. Hogan, I'm having Savage, I'm having DBRC, I'm having every Jake Roberts, I'm having fucking every fucker. He just went to every place and went, I'll have your best ones, thanks very much. And it was amazing because everyone's headliner, you were saying they're my mid card. Yeah, it's true. So he's an incredible businessman in that regards. Which is weird. Like, I mean, the, the, it's weird how history kind of always comes back around and how, like, with stuff like this, where WWF is so desperate to control the narrative. <laughs> um, it's funny how we do it. We talk about this in, in the week that's followed 
Sasha Banks Naomi walk out. Yeah, yeah. And how WWF has desperately controlled the narrative on that. Yeah. Going on their te television show and chastising them for letting the fans down, letting millions of fans around the world down for not competing in a main event that wasn't announced. And, uh, and telling them that their actions they'll be punished for. Like, there's... This is like this isn't anything new. Yeah. Like W like Vince McMahon has this thing of, you know, these are all the words of Vince. The difference is compared to this, is that Vince is actually saying the words here. Yeah. Michael Cole is saying Vince's words at this point and in the real world. On the other side of the fence, you got CM Punk on Twitter basically saying, Fuck off, Vince. <laughs> look after your wrestlers, look after each other. Basically is what he's been that's saying. That's essentially yeah. what it is. But that's raw for this week. Hey. Three matches. Too decent. Yeah. One not. Some, uh, lots of little storyline nuggets in there. The, yeah. The babyface turn of Yokozuna. Another appearance by Mankind. The seeming full-on, full-fat heel turn yeah. of Big Daddy Cool Diesel. Potentially the full-fat heel turn. I guess we'll see in the weeks to come whether that sticks. What'd you make of Raw this week? Yeah, pretty good. The, the, this set of tapings has been very strong. Mm. Like you said, WWF know how to ring the best out of the tapings. They know where they're going. They're laser-focused. Since the turn of the year from 95 to 96, they've barely put a foot wrong. No, they've been very, very much, very strong in terms yeah. of the, the, the programming that they're leading, very committed to the stories that they're telling. Yeah. So, again, yeah, no, no qualms with this. Obviously, we're in WrestleMania season when they're always laser-focused anyway. But, yeah, it's been... It's been a breeze watching them recently. This one, not as good as the last two weeks, but still, fuck, compared to some of the shit we've had to watch. <laughs> and, slightly better. Uh, like, even the stuff you and Justin, I can only imagine, watched before I jumped in. Ooh, we had some rough times. Yeah, so, yeah, no no complaints at the moment. Uh, this time next, well, when this comes out, uh, Liverpool, hopefully, Champions of Europe. Hopefully. Cross all things. Let's, let's bring home number seven. Number seven, lucky number seven. Fuck General Franco. We'll, we'll make sure that you keep an eye on the score. <laughs> Take that, Stalingrad. Yeah. Um, make sure you keep an eye on the score and then tweet, tweet uh, Jackins. It, it, friendship it, or commiserations. If it's going well, tweet me. If it's not going well, don't tweet me because I'll, I'll find you and I'll break you. He will as well. I've seen him do it. Yeah. By the time this comes out, <laughs> you should have another episode of Desert Island Graps featuring Australian wrestling star Charlie Evans. I had a lovely chat with Charlie Evans. I didn't normally do podcast interviews, so very grateful for Charlie to come and join us on Cultaholic Island to choose her three favorite wrestling matches and talk about an exciting new project that she's launching. You can hear that on the podcast feed. I'm having a lovely chat with Charlie. Evans. Um, what else is happening that we need to talk about coming up this week? Um, well, Double or Nothing's just gone, so I imagine, so today, expect, if you haven't seen it already, what happened at Double or Nothing? Yeah. Uh, hope you enjoyed the live reactions with Andrew and I. We're both asleep by now. Um, WTF moments from Double or Nothing, featuring our very own Ross Tweddle. Uh, and um, the latest wrestling news throughout the day at Coltaholic.com. And the... Um the, the the expert works of Jack Atkins on cultaholic.com. Exactly. I was going to say, what are you working on? Are yeah, you to I, say? Well, yeah, for Double Enough, and I'll be covering it live. I'm not sure if we've got Fraser on social media on doing Twitter live recap stuff. Mm -hmm. I'm not too sure. Aside from that, it's my big project, which I got some decent headway through yesterday and had to add another couple of names to the list. Are we looking like Christmas time? Hopefully. It's a long way. Hopefully. It's going to be worth it, though. It's um, going to be worth it when we get there. To give some hints as oh. to what it's about, you will hear such names as Diesel, 
you will hear names like King Curtis Iokea. Uh, you'll hear such names as Miss Kitty. So, wrestlers with lovely bottoms ranked from worst to best. I'm. I was gonna. <laughs> I was gonna say something a bit horny then, but I'm not going down to that level. Curtis Iokea, number one, obviously. Oh, God, look at him. We'll keep tabs. <laughs> we will keep tabs on it. And until we're next back together, he is at Brad Atkins on Twitter. I'm at Tom Campbell on Don't forget to join us. Happy birthday for last week, John. Happy birthday, John. Happy birthday again, John. You didn't get your photoshops this week as a, as a gift. <laughs> Stay safe and love you. Bye. Love you. Bye. Love you. Bye. ACAST powers the world's best podcasts. Here's a show that we recommend. The Real Housewives is a guilty pleasure for most, but if you're looking to not feel guilty about that pleasure, tune in to Everything Iconic with me, Danny Pellegrino, where I break down all the messy moments and behind-the-scenes antics of Bravo's popular franchise. And on Everything Iconic, I also interview celebrity guests like Kelly Ripa, Kiki Palmer, Drew Barrymore, Cameron Diaz, and more about their guilty pleasures, their past work, and so much more. So if you're pop culture obsessed and find yourself watching way too much reality TV like me, tune in to Everything Iconic with Danny Pellegrino, wherever you listen to podcasts. ACAST helps creators launch, grow, and monetize their podcasts everywhere. ACAST.com For all the wrestling headlines in just 10 minutes, search Cultaholic Wrestling News on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts from. 